plunging into the cave, Castian finally learns about the dark voice that has been plaguing him for months. He faces his greatest temptation yet as the power of the dark side is revealed. In this beautiful, lush, green valley, Castian, it is a warm, temperate day. Not too hot, not too cold, not too humid, not too dry. It's as close to a perfect environment as you have ever been in. But as soon as you enter the cave, a rush of cold comes upon you. It's cool in here. It is damp. There is a cool mist weaving around your ankles as you walk in. Castian pulls out a glow stick from his belt and snaps it open and gives it a shake to illuminate his path as he just keeps on moving into the cave. He doesn't really know what to expect when he goes in here, but the Dark Woman told him to enter. Hopefully this isn't just another test, and he also knows that that voice seemed eager for him to go in here. So there's a little bit of excitement, there's a little bit of fear, there's a little bit of everything that Castian is feeling right now as he just keeps on going deeper. And there is only one path through this cave. And when you are just a couple of feet in, it's like the darkness consumes you. If you turn around, even though you haven't made a bend yet, you can't see the exit any longer. Now you feel the dark side poking at you, prodding at you, drawing you in deeper. Castian closes his eyes and just tries to focus on his breathing, what Kida taught him, what Kida wrote in his journals, just keeping the dark side at bay, pushing it away with calm, logical thoughts. <laughs> there is nothing logical here, Castian. I suppose singing the third verse of Corellian Maidens won't really help me here, would it? I so look forward to meeting you. Who the hell are you? Castian says as he spins around, waving his glow stick, trying to get a glimpse of this voice or wherever the voice is coming from. Is it in his head or is it out of his head this time? It is everywhere and it is nowhere. And as you are swinging this glow stick somewhat haphazardly and somewhat wildly around, you're going in circles. You know you've passed this one outcropping more than once as you're swinging around trying to find where this voice is. And on your third pass, you see shiny black boots lounging on an outcropping. Casting pauses and cants his head to the side before moving forward trepidatiously. As the glow stick catches the shine of these impeccably polished boots and you move up over dark clad legs to a loose white shirt that is hanging open. It's so white it is almost glowing in this darkness. The skin underneath is glows ethereally but with a darkness. It is a ruddy brick red. The body is all smooth planes and hard angles. As your glow stick moves up further, illuminating a sharp, handsome face with eyes that are golden orbs and long, flowing white hair. And Castin's definitely taken back. This is a very attractive person in front of him. A very ethereal, 
attractive person in a really weird dark cave. So Castian has a moment of just kind of stun before he clears his throat and says, Who are you? You know who I am. Oh, you're the voice. Finally, I get to put a face to the voice. What do you want? Who? What are you? Why are you driving me mad? Is it madness, Castian? No. What I offer you. What I have always offered you is strength. You have been a thorn in my side ever since Doran. And since then, you won't shut up. Every decision I make, you're just there whispering your opinion over and over and over again until I either run away from it or do exactly what you tell me to. He chuckles. (laughs) What's so funny? Oh, we go back so much farther than Doran. We do not go back. You are nothing. You are a madness. You are... An infliction passed to me by the dark side. My fall to it near on Dathomir or something. Just shut up! Castian is turning away. Something about this man is off-putting to him. No, 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 Castian. It is not time for you to leave yet. You think that I am a parasite? You think that I am here to harm you? No, no, no. Whenever you have felt weakest, that is when I have been there. No. And the mist in the cave swirls around you, winding up your legs, up your body, obscuring your vision completely. And when the mist clears, you're on your ship. But not Laris's ship. Your old ship. The Imperial ship. Oh, wow. Castian pauses as he looks around. Part of him freaked out, but part of him also is getting a little analytical where he says like, oh, that's that's right. I used to have a nice ship. There's no hanging wires. There's no busted pipes. There's no clittering uh, of, of droids anywhere. It's just kind of a nice, silent ship. And he's forgotten how much he kind of... No, he didn't miss this. He hated this, he realizes. He hated the silence. He spins around, looking from corridor to corridor, unsure if it actually had this many corridors. Everything just seems too much. Finally, he just shakes his head, and he's going towards the cockpit. Lara should be there, maybe in this vision. And yes, he knows it's a vision. She will be helpful. She's always helpful in some regard. As you approach the cockpit, you can feel the reverberations in the floor plating of the landing gear deploying. And then a moment later, a soft thud as you connect with whatever you were landing on. Castian reaches out to touch the side of the bulkhead because when the Howling Gundark uh, lands, it usually shudders quite a bit. But again, this was a much nicer ship. There's, There's really no kickback. It's nice and smooth. And then Castian pulls his hand away from the bulkhead as if he doesn't like touching anything of this vision and keeps marching towards the cockpit. As you approach the cockpit, you have the most disturbing sensation as the cockpit door slides open and you see yourself marching out. It's yourself from a couple of years ago, 
still with the Inquisition, still wearing the uniform, such as it were, of an Imperial Inquisitor. Darkness practically emanates off of you, even though this is a vision, or perhaps especially because it's a vision. Your eyes are dark and glitter with hatred. Your skin is pale. Castian stops staring at this vision of himself before mumbling. Oh my goodness. I thought that haircut was intimidating. And your younger self rushes past you with no indication that they even saw you. Uh, Castian looks towards the cockpit because that was his original destination, but decides this is a much more interesting lead to follow. So he's going to turn on his heels and follow his younger self, trying to get a sense of where is this or when is this taking place? You're deep within the ship. There's no windows to look outside from here. But you know almost immediately where your younger self is going, the cargo hold. And when you reach the cargo hold, you see younger Castian gathering items to help him with wherever they have landed. He has a rebreather, he has some weapons, and you see him pass an archaeological chest. One that on second glance you recognize as the one that you relieved Nienna of when you took her onto your ship before you poisoned her calf. Oh no, this memory. I know where I am. Where we are. Castian looks towards himself as he's gathering weapons. This is when he was preparing to fight Kida. Is that correct? On the asteroid? Yes. Castian shakes his head before rubbing at his face. I know how this ends. Castian is just shaking his head as he just watches himself prepare. It's almost kind of embarrassing just realizing the arrogance that younger Castian had. The idea that he could take on a Jedi almost master. Kida wasn't officially a master, but the guy had survived for almost 15, 16 years while he was being hunted. Castian almost gives off a light chuckle as he leans against the side of the bulkhead saying... Now, this is smart. Very smart. Don't forget your lightsaber. And you see that Castian has gathered everything that he needs and is about to leave. And he pauses at the door to the cargo bay. And you, Castian, hear a voice that is now so very familiar, but you don't remember having originally heard it here. Go back. There is something in that case that you will need. Castian straightens up and looks towards the case and then looks back towards himself. And when you look back at yourself, you see that ethereally handsome man from the cave standing very close to your younger self, a gentle hand caressing his shoulder as he leans in to whisper seductively in his ear. You know it will help you. It will keep you strong against a formidable opponent. Castian pushes himself off the bulkhead and then just walks towards his former self. As your former self turns around and goes to the case. No, no. You... That that was not how it happened. I, I decided to take the dagger. It was... It was my logistical training that kicked in, not some whispering ghost in my ear. 
the figure doesn't react to you. No one in this cargo bay reacts to you. You see yourself, go to the case, open it, and pull out the Dathomir dagger. Castian backs away from the dagger, even though it's not real, or maybe it is real, but it's in a memory. But even now, it's enough for Castian just to back away, knowing what danger is going to come from it. The mist from the cave reappears, obscuring your vision of the cargo hold. It is I who gave you strength. You... You're you're manipulating a memory, adding yourself in. You are not the reason I made every terrible idea. And trust me, I absolutely would love to use you as an excuse. Is that so? (laughs) Is that so? Let us see. No, we're, we're not doing this, Castian says loudly into the growing mist as if he has any choice in the matter. And when the mist clears once again, you're standing in the middle of a mining asteroid, watching as a Trandoshan slaver grips, grips the head of Galnuri Tand, holding her tight by the tentacles on the back of her head. She's screaming in pain. As you see, again, your younger self, Castian, still an Imperial Inquisitor, demanding that the Trandoshan let go of Imperial property. Oh, the... No, 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 this wasn't you. This wasn't you. This was... This was them. He points towards the Trandoshan. I know exactly what they did to, to make me lose control. Right next to you is the ethereal man. Is that so? Yes, I remember. And in the blink of an eye, he goes from your side to once again whispering in the ear of your younger self. And part of you can hear what the Trandoshan is saying. The Trandoshan is asking you to explain yourself. Asking why he should follow your orders. What kind of... And then you hear the voice that's been in your head for so long. What kind of weak human lets someone like this go? And you see your younger self, Castian, fly into a rage. No, no, I remember. He he called me weak. He said I was a weak human for letting her live. It's not strange. And it would have been a weak move. It wasn't weak. It... No, 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 no. I, he said to me, I was weak and, and, and I, 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 I lost control because I don't like being called that. I, I, there was a Trandoshan that used to, what are you trying to prove here? The man puts a gentle hand on your cheek and immediately you feel calmer. <laughs> I know you are not weak, Castian, because I will not let you be. I have never allowed it to be. And once again, the mist swirls. And you're in another deep, dark memory, Castian. Another memory that you don't want to discuss. You are deep under Coruscant. Oh, no, 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 no. Please, please listen to me. Castian is 
turns towards wherever the man is. Is he still there? Yes. Please, please. I don't want to. I don't want to go back to this. No, no, no. This is. Please. Uh, we can just talk. We can just talk. I don't need to view things. I don't. I don't want to be here again. Do not worry, Castian. So much of what you did here really was all you. No, 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 no. But then there was this. And as the mist resolves, you see your younger self crouched in a little hideaway, hiding from those feral younglings alongside the ninth sister, who looks so incredibly weak and vulnerable as she is passed out from not doing too well in this confrontation. And sitting in front of you, Castian, the, your younger self, is the Sith holocron, currently activated. And you see the figure in the holocron, the one that had been called Mother. Mother. Dismissing your younger self, but asking to be brought before the Emperor. I could not allow that to happen. It was not her responsibility to mold you into the man that you are today. She just wanted me to be brought to the Emperor. She wouldn't have molded me. And yet, if you brought such a prize before your Emperor... And he rolls his eyes at the mention of the Emperor. That would bring attention upon you. Attention that you did not need. Castian turns back towards the scene that he, that's playing in front of him, and at this point, younger Castian has flown into a rage again. Do I see the man standing over Castian's shoulder whispering again? You've missed the whispering. Instead, when you turn back and you see Castian flying into yet another rage, destroying the holocron, you see the man standing over you, looking like nothing else if not a proud father. Castian is rubbing at his face, shaking his head before turning back towards the man. Fine, fine. You've been with me longer than I anticipated, but it doesn't prove you are, you you just you are an infliction brought on by the Dathomir dagger. That was the first time that I uh, I succumbed to your whispers. I, I I that followed me to Coruscant. That followed me to the slavers. I uh, you uh, that's just my theory. You are an infection. You are a parasite. You are someone who was not welcomed, and you whispered and tricked and manipulated me. He laughs once again. I am not attached to such trinkets as that dagger, nor. Do I come to someone who would not welcome me with open arms? No, Castian. I have been with you for so long. No. <laughs> That's not true. That's impossible. And once again, Castian, the mist rises, obscuring your vision, completely hiding the man from you. But this time, not only does it obscure your vision, you feel it seeping into your skin, snaking into your lungs. You choke and gasp for a moment until the mist clears. And you are sitting on a spindly bridge across a long precipice. You are not 
witnessing a vision now. You are fully ensconced within a memory. As you look next to you and see Talvi. How old are we? You're young teenagers. At this point, you really had no way of knowing how much time had passed, so you yourself at this time wouldn't have known your exact age. But you're gawky, kind of spindly, neither of you have grown into your limbs. You both have sallow skin and sunken faces of people that don't get nearly enough to eat, even as you are sitting on this precipice, sharing a bit of gruel, some moldy bread, just the bare minimum that the Trandoshans believed you needed to get you through another day in the mines. Okay, Tabby, okay, so this is what uh, I, I brought you here for. Okay, you ready for a surprise? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, I don't do surprises. We but don't got a lot of time. Well, we got time. I mean, we spent all morning and most of the night slipping through the entire veins of this place. God, it creeps me out. But I wanted to give you this, because it's your birthday. How do you know it's my birthday? No, because you don't have a birthday. None of us have birthdays, but today is your birthday. I decided today is your birthday, and Castian's reaching into his surveying pack and pulling out something that's wrapped in a handkerchief. And then he hands it towards Talvi. It's better not be a rock. It's not a rock. When else did you have time to get something? I used the black market here. You don't do the black market. I know, I know, but I was... Okay, I did that Sabat game with Kiv and Lynx, and I won a lot of cigars. And then I decided, you know, I don't smoke cigars, so I started trading them around, and then I got the... Just open it, you dummy. You're a dummy, he says as he pulls the handkerchief away. It's a sweet roll. It's... It's absolutely something that you would find on Coruscant in, like, a bodega or a store. You know, it's wrapped in plastic. It's past its expiration date by several months, but it's a sweet roll. Wow! Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, it's for you. Happy birthday. Talvi rips open the plastic and sinks his teeth into the sweet roll. It crackles a little bit more than a fresh sweet roll would. Again, it's a little stale, but he definitely enjoys it. Oh my gosh! Castian, it tastes so good. You need to try some. Well, I was hoping you would say something he says as he takes a bit of the sweet roll and bites into it and then kind of just sinks and lays his head on, like, Talvi's shoulder as if to say, like, oh, my God, that's so good. I mean, these kids, maybe once a year they get sweets by the grace of God. And so they're just enjoying this right now. And Castian wipes his mouth and just hands back the rest of his sweet roll. I was like, it's yours. It's yours. It's, uh, it's yours. Happy birthday, Tabby. Thanks, Castian. Castian snorts as Tabby's eating and just kind of looks over the precipice and just lets his feet hang. Hey! What's going on in there? Coming out of one of the corridors that leads to this precipice, you see a familiar Trandoshan. The Trandoshans run this mine. But you are not nearly important enough, Castian, to attract the attention of the actual free Trandoshans that run the place. Instead, you are managed, for lack of a better word, by Topek, a Trandoshan, but the rare Trandoshan slave. And Topek is a slave who has ingratiated himself to his slave masters, 
And in return for slightly better rations, slightly better sleeping accommodations, he gets to be a petty tyrant to the slaves beneath him, including you and Talvi. Is he alone? He is not. Topek is never alone. After all, what good is a bully if there's nobody to witness how cool you are as a bully? Oh, so he has a, coll- a motley crew of Rodians, humans, anybody who's willing to suck up to maybe get some morsels tossed their way. Exactly. Castian rolls his eyes before reaching into his survey pack and holds up a data pad. We're finished with our job. We're taking the lunch. We're starving. And Castian tosses the data pad towards one, not not toward Topek, because he's he's done that before and Topek's caught it and crushed it and said, oops, uh, towards one of Topek's minions. Topek doesn't care about the data pad that you're tossing. Instead, he sees the plastic wrapper from the sweet roll. What's this? It's from the black market, you suitcase with legs. Castine's afraid of the slavers, absolutely, but a slave that works with the slavers, like, chooses to do that? No, Castian, he's not going to bow down to that. And Castian takes a bold step towards this very tall Trandoshan. Topek reaches down and grabs the wrapper. And you didn't share with your friend Topek? You know there's a tax for going to the black market when you work on Topek's crew. Oh, Topek's crew. This is your crew now. Yeah, as if that slave collar shows that you're the manager here. And Topek winds back with that fist that's still holding the plastic wrap from the sweet roll and knocks you clear across the face, Castian. If Castian stumbles back, he knows that Topek's allowed to beat up on him a little bit, but... Castian lands, rolls, and slowly gets to his knees and looks towards Topak and says, Don't ruin the merchandise. Yeah, you know that they they get really angry when when they find out you've beaten the property to death. There's a long way between your mouthiness right now and death. I can do a lot to you before anyone else even blinks. Uh, the only thing you can't do is walk free because you don't got enough score points from the keeper to buy your way out of this. Topek comes forward and he punches you again in the face. And that's enough to knock you back a little bit. Rocks skitter under your feet. And remember, you're on a bridge over this precipice. Topek, fine. Stop, stop. I'm going to fall. Accidents happen all the time down here in the mines. Nobody's gonna miss a pair of scrawny kids. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I, I can go back to the black market and get you a, a sweet roll. I don't eat sweet rolls. And he comes forward and he knees you in the stomach. Cassian grabs his stomach and falls onto his side, kind of like just grimacing in pain. And from behind Topek comes dear, sweet, brave Talvi. You leave him alone! And he runs and he jumps on Topek's back, pounding at the back of Topek's head completely ineffectually. 
Yeah, you know, seeing that Talvi's now in trouble, uh, Castian, he knows what Talvi's doing. He goes high, Castian goes low. It's something they've learned to do whenever they kind of get into a scruffle. And they are the smallest ones in the slave operation, pretty much. So as soon as uh, Talvi starts hitting this head, Castian pulls back his foot as far as he can and then kicks forward, trying to hit uh, Topek's knee. Before you can make contact with Topek's knee, one of Topek's cronies. One of the Rodians grabs your ankle and hoists you up, holding you upside down. The Rodian's not very tall, so really just scrapes your head against the ground, but all the blood is beginning to rush to your head. And you're held upside down as you see Topek grab Talvi by the slave collar around his neck, pulling the boy off of him, and starts to use Talvi as a punching bag, just holding him up and hitting him again. And again. And again. No! No! Castian's fighting back, trying to get loose, kicking at this Rodian's face in order to try to just knock himself down to the ground so he can get up to stop this assault on Tavi. The Rodian lets you go, but two more cronies are there to grab each arm. And still you're hearing the sickening thump of Trandoshan claw on flesh as Topek continues to hit Talvi. Talvi's screams are getting weaker. He's coughing. You can hear blood. And you get another punch across the face. Another of the cronies, you're losing track of who they are now as blood is beginning to trickle into your eye, punches you in the stomach. Another kicks out your knees so you're forced down onto the ground and they begin to pummel you as well. Castian is going fetal. He wants to fight back, but right now he's just trying to survive. He goes into a fetal position, clutching his head with his arms, squeezing his eyes tightly as he's just trying to figure out what to do. And as you lay there in the fetal position, even over the sounds of flesh being beaten, you hear another set of footsteps. Oh. Flipped, sharp boot falls. Oh. They walk through the scene, never pausing until it sounds like they're right in front of you. Oh. A voice is in your ear. Do you need help? Will you let me in? Yes. And Castian, you feel a dark surge of power emanating from somewhere deep within your body. It is something that you have tried to keep pushed down ever since Kida left you in the hands of those huts. It is the Force. And it is dark and seething and angry and wants to be let out. Castian is almost covered with minions on top of him, beating him, throwing whatever punch they can. You can't even see him. And then suddenly there's just a scream of anguish as Castian throws out his arms, launching people onto rocks, some to the precipice, some honestly up into the ceiling that's 20 feet up, stabbing themselves right into stalactites. Those that aren't just immediately thrown off back away completely in fear as this 
weak child suddenly looks like not strong, but no longer prey. He has a look to his eyes, a predator almost. One of the bolder minions takes a step towards Castian. This one is a Brack. And Castian slams his fist right into the Zabrak's throat. An expert hit from someone who probably has trained for millennia in order to hit that mark, in order to crush the larynx of the Zabrak, who stumbles away, gripping his throat, trying to breathe as blood is gushing out of his mouth. Uh, another one, another uh, Twi'lek this time, another prisoner, slave, picks up a, a, a pick from his belt and swings it at Castian, but before it even comes close, the pick is stopped and then ricochets back right into the creature's forehead. Minions are running away in terror as Castian is screaming the entire time, anger just bubbling out of him. And then he turns towards Topek. Topek has dropped. Talvi to the ground. Talvi is laying in a small bundle, now curled up in the fetal position himself. Through your rage, you can hear shuddering breaths coming from him. He's still alive. Castian holds out a hand towards Topek as the creature takes a step towards him. Suddenly he's lifted into the ground, and Castian's holding his hands up and slowly starts closing his hands, and Topek matches Castian's screams, but his is of pain as he folds forward and then folds again, bone crushing, skin ripping. And by the time the minute is over, Topek is not screaming anymore. And Castian just slams the remains, we'll call it, into the far wall, leaving him alone on this precipice. The man appears in front of you again, Castian. The mist is beginning to appear along the edges of your vision. And that is when I first gave you your strength back. Returned to you the strength which was stolen from you. Castian slowly looks up. Is he still the boy? No. Castian is now standing there, no longer the boy. He still sees the boy, who is just standing there gasping like a feral animal. And then Castian turns towards the, the dark man. I remember. I remember you. Out of every time I called for help, you... You were the first to ever answer. And he takes a step towards the man, staring in... Oh, something peon would look towards his king, or the way a believer would look towards an angel. The man holds his arms out wide for you, waiting to wrap you in a hug. Castian closes his eyes as, I guess he takes a step forward, and, I mean, Castian, I mean, he can't, he can't it, it's hard, because I can't really lie. Castian called out for help, and this guy was the first to ever answer him and he kept him away from the emperor which he's right like bringing the holocron to the emperor would have there was no way he could have left the inquisition with, with emperor palpatine's like watching his record and he probably would have died in the fight if he hadn't stabbed Kida with that dagger like all of these things are kind of lining up and 
Castian steps into the hug and wraps his own arms around the man, like pulling him close tightly. And you saved my life. Of course I did. You're not an enemy. Of course not, Castian. Light, dark, these things that woman has been saying to you. These words mean nothing to me. What are you? You're not just the whisper of my own madness, my manifestation. You gave me power. You filled me with enough strength. What? What, what are you? Your mind cannot comprehend. I am what is and what always has been. Stasis, Castian, you must always remember, is anathema to growth. I have helped you grow. Remember it is from chaos that the galaxy was formed, and in you, Castian, I have met chaos personified. You are my greatest creation. I am just a failed youngling. You have never been a failure to me. God, this guy is saying everything Castian wants to hear. <laughs> Especially after being, like, emotionally manipulated by the dark woman. Castian closes his eyes, a tear falling down his eyes, and just says, What do I do? You will wait for your ship to return. And then you will go out once more into the galaxy, ready to spread the word of the sun. The sun? You shall be my greatest disciple and evangelist. There are forces in this galaxy that wish to bring this power to order, to take from chaos rules and balance. No, Castian. That is not what we want. I am almost tempted to actually take this guy's offer. Like, how bad would it be if I took his offer? I'm just kind of curious now. Or do I not get to know? What's your uh, your morality at right now? 55. Yeah, drop back down to 20. Okay, so there's no benefit of actually taking this guy's offer. What's your force rating at right now? Uh, two. It would double. I'd get a force rating of four? Yep. <laughs> like, the power gamer in me, there's, there's, I don't have a lot of power gamer in me, but occasionally it's there. Wow. Four. A four force rating. Wait a minute. Wait. Castine's turning away from the man. Where are you going? He's searching. Um, do I remember what happened to Talvi? Like, this entire time, I've occasionally had memories of Talvi, and I, I, I've i seen, like, small glimpses of Talvi, but, like, what happened to Talvi? There was a terrible accident. Terrible mining accident. When? Like, I mean, this was the moment where I lost control and I started killing slavers, and then the Empire came, and... Yeah, Castian is actually trying to... So you said this mist is, like, starting to recede... Mm -hmm. Castian's trying to push it back so he can see this vision still. And he's looking for Talvi. Castian, it is time to go. No, 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 no. Not without knowing. Where is, where is he? And as you turn, 
Castian. And again, you are now outside of the vision, so you can see your younger self exuding power for the first time in his young life. But of course, one eye is swollen completely shut. The other cheekbone has been bashed in. You do not look great. And you see yourself approaching Talvi, who is still huddled on the ground, but is looking up at you now. And it's difficult to make out his facial expression because of the damage to his face. But as he starts to back away from your younger self, you can recognize terror. He's afraid of me. Not everyone appreciates power when they see it. Castian just continues to watch as Talvi continues to back away from Castian, younger Castian. You can hear your younger self calling out to Talvi saying, what would younger Castian be saying to Talvi? It's okay now, I'll protect us. We can, we can be better. I'll protect you. What, what are you? What have you, you're one of them. What? You're one of the, those, those Jedi. No, I'm better. I'm better than that. I can protect us. No, stay away from me. Castian is going to approach. Young Castian is going to like move faster towards his friend because he can. He has the energy in him now. He's just charging forward to grab his friend, to hug him, to, to say he's fine, that there's no difference. He's not some monster. Talvi scrambles faster. He can't quite bring himself to his feet, but he keeps pushing himself back and back and back until... His hand is no longer on solid ground, and he pitches backwards over the precipice. And Castian just... Both of them, young Castian, old Castian, both say, No! As they both look down, staring as Talvi just gets smaller and smaller until he vanishes into the darkness. And... They just both stand there, completely just drained. And then the young Castian lets out of just a howl. It's almost like how a wolf would sound if he found his entire pack slaughtered. And as you howl, the rocks and stalactites in the roof of the cavern begin to tremble and shake and fall. The older Castian, the Castian now, turns towards where the ethereal man was standing. Terrible accidents happen in these mines all the time. No, 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 no. He was terrified of me. Oh my god. Oh my god. I killed my best friend. He fell into the darkness trying to get away from the monster in front of him. This is what you do to me. I have given you nothing, Castian, except the ability to stand up for yourself. You have given me the ability to ignore mercy, to relish in pain. Oh, my stars. This is what always happens. I follow your whispers, and it makes everything worse. I am the reason Kida died. From his infection with the dark side. I am I'm the reason that the ninth sister was 
driven to madness in order to prove her self-worth after I ruined her career in Coruscant. I've destroyed Laris's life. Her career just because I couldn't ignore your constant whispers. You are chaos given form and when I embrace you because I always want to embrace you I cannot protect the people around me because I don't care about the people around me they are victims they are pawns they are to be used and drained like oh my god I'm the parasite Castian. <laughs> backs away from this being just staring at him as if finally seeing him for what he is for the first time. And as you stare, the ethereal facade begins to flicker as this form that he has taken is not his true form, if he has a true form. As it flickers, you see that ruddy red skin fades to gray, the golden orbs flash red, the flowing white hair disappears, leaving a bald pate, the elegant clothes that flow from him become dark robes. You are not my savior. You are my addiction. But Castian... I am the one who has protected you. If you leave now, I cannot guarantee that you will survive. He holds out his hand to you one more time. I was the only one who answered your calls in the darkness. Castian stares at him for a long moment as you said stalactites are falling all around him in this vision, or maybe it's not a vision, who knows? And then Castian just slumps his shoulders as if defeated and says, No. You weren't the first one to answer my calls in the darkness. And then Castian looks over to his left, and I'm going to take narrative control if that's okay for a second, as a vision does form once more, kind of a bubble in this scene of destruction. And it is a young Castian maybe 11 and he is holding his knees and he is doing what he does every night since he got sold into this asteroid mining business crying and everybody around him there are hundreds of bunk beds everyone is just sleeping and ignoring him and as Castian's hugging his knees burying his face into his legs crying Suddenly, he sees a hand pop up wearing a sock. Hey, what's your name? Castian pauses and looks towards the sock. I'm Sockvi. Socky? Sockvi, but that's okay. You can call me Socky. I'm, I'm, I'm Castian. Castian, that's a pretty cool name. I don't got a lot of friends that ain't socks. Castian is not into this tomfoolery, so he peeks over the edge of the bunk bed. And there's Talby. Hey, you're not supposed to look behind the curtain. Oh, sorry. It's okay. I'm Talby. 
I'm Castian. Yes, Akvi told me. <laughs> and it's the first time Castian has probably smiled in a year. And then that vision is crushed by a falling stalactite. And Castian blinks and says, No, you weren't the first to come to me when I cried. You were just the most alluring. And he is backing away from the dark man, away from the chaos, towards I don't even know where, just away, not taking his hand, but never taking his eyes off the man. The mist fully obscures the vision. And once more, you are in the cave. Just you and the man. You think you are being noble, Castian. But this move saves no one. There are many others in the galaxy that would accept my help. You cannot defeat me. I don't need to defeat you. I just need to turn away. And Castian is, in fact, finally turning his back to this man and walking off. If there's a direction he can walk off into. Yes, you can turn right around and go in the direction that you came. And after two, three steps, you can see the exit to the cave once more. Castian walks out. Castian. He pauses, kind of almost looks over his shoulder. Do not think this is goodbye. I will be with you. Always. A shudder runs up Castian's back, and he just pushes through. He turns forward and continues his march out. And as soon as he leaves the cave, Castian is falling to his knees, just crying, because that's a lot of guilt that he's now dealing with. And you are not left alone to deal with this. As the dark woman comes to your side and puts her hand on your shoulder. You have done good, Castian. No, that's the problem. I blink up towards her. I've done so much bad, and not nearly enough good. Then it is good. Today is a new day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. You can now find all episodes on the Fandible Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at Solo Shot Podcast. And if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandible Podcast Network, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com fandible. Thanks again, and may the Force be with you always. A long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. The Flight Risk Podcast is a Star Wars actual play crime dramedy set during the Old Republic era, where an eccentric group of mercenaries are thrust into the dark and violent world of organized crime. As agents of an enigmatic count, they traverse the Outer Rim and attempt to not only survive, but to find their destinies without losing what's left of their souls. Subscribe at flightrisk.simplecast.fm.